Well, good morning, everyone. We are um, wrapping up our Christmas series this week, no pun intended. And uh, I don't know about you, but I have been bombarded with Christmas images, both online, on television, and even in Hallmark movies. Yes, I have to admit, I like the occasional Hallmark flick. Don't judge me. Now, these images are not what I would call realistic. I'm not talking about movies where humans grow up thinking they're elves or where a guy turns into Santa because he puts on a coat or even a hyper-competitive attorney slash doctor slash soon-to-be-crowned royal finds love in a charming town that's snowed in while they're trapped there. No. <laughs> I'm not talking about even something as simple as that. What I am talking about is something as normal at this time of year as decorating a Christmas tree. I want you to think about it for a minute. Think about the images that you have seen of people decorating Christmas trees. Images of families, you know, where the, the uh, one parent is, you know, holding the child up and it's, the child has the ornament, you know, perfectly perched on their hand and they're going to put it in that exact spot on the tree where everyone has agreed upon and, and you know, everybody's smiling and you can just imagine that there's, you know, Christmas music and all that sort of thing, uh, you know, in the background. Well, come on. I mean, I am one of five kids, all right? I raised three kids of my own. It never goes that smoothly. There's going to be some disagreements, some tears, uh, possible argument over which ornament to put up next or whether a particular ornament even goes up on the tree this year. And heaven forbid an ornament falls and hits the hardwood floor. Now I'm not sure if, if people even string popcorn anymore, but the person who's in charge of that is probably just sitting there eating the popcorn and watching everything just sort of self-destruct around them, right? I mean, we all laugh about these images together because while that's exaggerated, it's not too far off either, is it? What should be a time of peace too often ends up being full of conflict. It's admittedly hard to imagine a world of complete peace, isn't it? Even when you focus on your own family, it can be difficult to imagine a conflict-free week of peace and tranquility, let alone an entire world filled with peace. And as my example of decorating a Christmas tree shows, even simple tasks often dissolve into conflict and frustration. So what's the trick? What's the remedy? Would you be surprised to learn that the answer to peace resides with Jesus? Peace that transcends understanding is Christ's gift to us. Receive his gift this Christmas season. This final week of Advent, we're going to light the fourth Advent candle, and that is the candle of peace. And as we've done each week, I've asked the family to come and to do that this week. It will be David and Melanie King who will come up and light the candle of peace. And I've discovered throughout these past four weeks that weeks one and three are almost universally agreed upon to be hope 
and joy, respectively. But weeks two and four, love and peace, kind of flip back and forth depending on the, the church tradition or perhaps it's geographical, I don't know what it is. And so as I was planning this series out, I thought, since we're coming down to the wire on the big day, that peace would probably be the best place to land. Let me pray for us as we get started today. Jesus, I confess that I feel overwhelmed by the circumstances in my life. I confess that I cannot make it on my own. For all of us that this rings true for, would you please remind us that you will never leave us or forsake us? Remind us that we can cast our cares on you because you care for us. Remind us also that we are to come to you if we are weary and heavy burdened. I ask that during this time and in the midst of life's difficulties that we might find peace. A peace that surpasses human understanding. As we begin this morning, if you have your Bibles handy, I want you to turn with me to the book of Isaiah, chapter 9, beginning in verse 6. Isaiah writes this, he says, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace there will be no end, on the throne of David and over his kingdom, to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness, from this time forth and forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. In this passage, we see Isaiah prophesying again about Jesus, this time calling him Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. The government that Jesus is in charge of will never stop growing and will never run out of peace. In a world filled with conflict, this is obviously hard for us to imagine, but what does it mean? And how can we embrace the peace of Christ in the midst of it all? Well, I can't think of anyone better to learn from than the Prince of Peace himself. So let's see what Jesus had to say. To begin with, Jesus tells his disciples in John 16:33. He says, "I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. But take heart, I have overcome the world." First of all, Jesus has been telling the disciples all about how he has to lead them and how there's so much more he wants to share with them but can't. He's also promised to send the Holy Spirit, which they obviously cannot understand yet either. But listen what Jesus is telling them is the truth. He's letting them know what's going to happen to them. And at the end of chapter 16, we get, In me, you may have peace. In this world, you will have tribulation. But take heart, I have overcome the world. 
2,000 years ago, Jesus shared these words with his disciples, and the truths he shared then are just as relevant today. In many ways, we have the added bonus of knowing Jesus was telling the truth all the time. We know that we can trust him, and we know he died, he rose again, he ascended to heaven, he defeated death. Having peace in Christ means believing in and trusting all he did. It doesn't mean you'll have a conflict problem-free life. In fact, your allegiance to the kingdom of heaven puts you in direct opposition to the world. You can expect trouble to come. Jesus is drawing a line in the sand with this statement, and he's contrasting him to the world. In me, you may have peace, he says. The world is coming after you. You're going to get hit from all sides, but no matter what, through the good and the bad, your peace is anchored in Jesus. It means that you can have peace deep in your soul, no matter what trouble comes your way. Deep abiding peace is something difficult to understand. In his letter to the Philippians, the Apostle Paul gives us a glimpse into the peace-filled life. He wrote, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of the Lord, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. In every situation, whether good or bad, we are to present our requests with thanksgiving to the Lord. As we let go of things and give God the power, something amazing happens in us, and more often than not, in the circumstances themselves. We trade anxiety for peace, fear for rejoicing, suspicion for faith. I've spoken before about um, many instances where I've been in uh, waiting rooms um, waiting um, for my wife who's going through a, a surgery or a medical procedure, um, just being around people that you could just sense the tension and the anxiety and the uncertainty and being able to sit there and kind of contrast that with the peace that I had through my relationship with Jesus Christ. Now, I'm not perfect. I'm, I would be the very first person to um, admit that, and my wife would probably be a very close second, but the truth of the matter is that there is a peace that comes over you. And amazingly, divinely, miraculously, the peace of God that we have in Christ guards our hearts and minds. Friends, this is a deeply personal, difficult to articulate, peace. And I would say that it looks a little different 
for each individual person. Cindy Holmes is a writer and a pediatric nurse in Houston, Texas. She wrote an article about a mother and child that she got to know at the hospital who were both suffering from full-blown AIDS. The child, Tyler, was born infected with HIV. From the outset, he had been dependent upon all kinds of medical treatment. Sometimes he needed supplemental oxygen. But Cindy said it didn't slow him down. He was all boy, a little dynamo. He frequently raced through his Houston neighborhood with a little backpack on that held medications that he had to take. And sometimes he would pull an oxygen canister in the little red radio flyer wagon, but that didn't slow him down. Off he would go through the neighborhood playing like children play. Cindy Holmes got to know them best when they were confined to the hospital in the last stages of their illnesses, when they were both dying. When it became obvious to Tyler's mother that he was probably going to die first, she decided she'd better talk with him about what was going to come next. She pulled her little son up into her bed and they, they talked about life and love and fun. Then she brought up the topic of heaven. She said, you know, Tyler, I was kind of hoping that you'd do your growing up here. But the doctors say that your body is telling them that you might want to move on and grow up there in heaven. She continued, you know, I made a decision. Tyler asked, what's that, mommy? She said, I've decided that if you're going to go live in heaven, I'm going to do that too. Because wherever you are, that's where I want to be. A few days later, Cindy Holmes was in Tyler's room. She said he, he looked up at her and he said, Miss Holmes, will you do me a favor? Cindy said, sure, Tyler, what do you need? He asked, when I die, would you put a red shirt on me? Cindy answered, Tyler, why do you want me to do that? Tyler explained, well, I'm going to grow up in heaven. And I've been told it's fun over there, and I'm going to have friends, and I'm going to play, but my mommy is going to come over there, too, and she's going to be looking for me. And if I'm real busy, and I don't see her coming, I want her to see me. So it's really important that I have on something that she can see. So would you give me the red shirt? Tyler looked up from his bed and continued, you know, heaven wouldn't be heaven without mommy. Cindy Holmes said, I was overwhelmed by this inexpressible sense of peace that was on his face. Even at a time of inexpressible crisis. And suddenly I understood where it was coming from. His peace was the result of his mother's presence with him through his life, throughout his illness, and her promise that no matter where he went and no matter what happened, she would still be there. It sounds a lot like Jesus, doesn't it? When we consider peace as a thing to be obtained, something quantifiable, it has to come from somewhere. And it comes from the constant presence of Jesus Christ in our lives. Have, have you ever read through the Gospels and 
found yourself marveling at all the different situations that Jesus found himself in and how he always seemed to keep his cool. Think about it. He was interrogated by the leading Jewish leaders of the time. On multiple occasions, the crowds tried to grab him and kill him. And on top of it all, he willingly chose to travel day in and day out with a man who he knew would betray him over to death. What was it that Christ knew that we don't? Really, think about it for a moment. What did Christ know that we don't? I realize he was literally God incarnate and that he probably knew billions of things that we don't. I think we can all agree on that, but the point I'm trying to make is that Christ had complete and total trust in who he was and what he was doing. He trusted the Father, and because of this trust, because of his faith, he was able to have peace in any and every situation. Now that is some powerful math, and it's a powerful truth. And Jesus is this kind of peace for you too, you and I both. Listen to what he tells the disciples in John 14, 27. He says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. See, Jesus is conceding here that we can get a certain measure of imperfect peace from the world, from the people in our lives, from our, our comfort. But it's imperfect. And it's, it's not long-lasting. It comes and goes. Because just as he promised, in this world you will have trouble. You'll have sickness. You'll have... Um, relational concerns, you'll have job stress, you'll have issues with your, your family or your you know close friends, your church, whatever the case may be, you will have tribulation in this world. And the only peace that surpasses all of that is the gift from him. Because friends, peace is a gift of Jesus. It's just like and just like any other gift. It's it's your responsibility to receive it. I mean, a, a gift is worthless unless you actually receive the gift. What have you received from the world lately? This month? This year? Are you ready to receive peace today? Because the best Christmas ever will be marked by peace. As we discussed back in week one of this series, we have hope because of who Christ is and what he has promised to do and in and through our lives. He's the light that shines in the darkness and we can share the light of Christ with others by sharing the hope that we have. But today, friends, we know that we can also have a peace that transcends understanding by letting go of all that troubles us and giving it 
to the ever capable hands of Jesus. All those troubles, whether they're financial, whether they're medical, relational, these are all caused by the world. You don't have to face them alone. That's the beauty of our God. That's the power of the Holy Spirit inside you. And also the reality that when you become a follower of Jesus, you are a family member. You have community that will come around you. With that comes the amazing gift of peace. Peace in troubled times because you have his peace, divine peace, soul-quenching peace. What do you need to let go of today? What is robbing you from having peace? What do you need to place in the hands of Christ? What do you need to do today to receive his gift of peace. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you for a peace that we can't even define, a peace that we can't even fully wrap our heads around or understand. But we know that peace comes from you. Lord, I, I get so much joy out of watching relationships grow stronger and stronger here in the body of Hope Community Church, but also each individual person in their walk with you. God, I confess that the closer I walk to you, the more of that peace I receive, the more of that comfort that I have, no matter what's going on around me. And I thank you for that. I thank you for that peace that allows me to navigate this, this world. Especially this time of year, Lord, as we're interacting with people that we may not see normally on a day-to-day -day basis, that peace makes all the difference. So I pray for anyone listening right now, God, that they would receive the gift of peace from you that they would desire to grow closer to you so that they can have that, that hope that we talked about. They, they can have that capacity to love the unlovable. That they can be filled with joy at the reality of who you are and your presence in their life. And through that, Lord, they would also be filled with peace for the best Christmas ever. Pray this all in your mighty name. Amen. Friends, thank you for listening. As always, uh, this week, <clears throat> that wraps up our best Christmas ever um, service. Now, we will have a message um, on December 26th that will probably not... 
um, be available on podcast. I'm not sure yet. Uh, we got to talk to the tech team and and figure all that out. But uh, we'll we'll do everything we can to make it available in as many ways as we can. It will be broadcast on our Facebook page because we will not be meeting at the church on December 26th. But we will all be gathering at Hope Community Church on Christmas Eve. If you're in the area, we would love to have you join us. It's at 3.30 p.m. Come casual. Come ready to to worship, to sing, to, to laugh, um, to have a good time. It'll be a short service. Bring your kids. They are welcome to be a part of the whole thing. They won't be um, going back into kids ministry. They will be hanging out with us. And I promise to keep it as... Um, keep the boredom to a minimum so that they will enjoy it as well and um, we will just ring in Christmas together what a blessing to do as the family of Hope Community Church as always thank you if you have any questions if you need to contact me if you need any information on the church please reach out to our website at declarehope.org also you can find us on Facebook Hope Community Church of Alcoa Tennessee we would love to hear from you We would love to pray with you and talk to you more. God bless. Have a wonderful week. Take care.